Hi, good morning, church. Oh, it's, we've gotten more people since I turned around. <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, <clears throat> get my notes in order. Well, as, as my usual, I let's pray before I start. Can we just say a short word of prayer? Father, give us today your words which you want us to hear. And Father, give me the words that you want spoken from this pulpit and only your words. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you've been paying attention during the start and during what I've been singing and what the scripture uh, readings were about, you would know the theme of today's message is faith. <laughs> Ding, -ding, 10 points. And um, so chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 is often um, referred to as the hall of faith. You know, many schools have these glass showcases in, in their, some part in, of, of their school where they showcase all the trophies that the, that's been won by the school, like, you know, the Mathematics Olympiad, the all-schools basketball championship, or some of some people, some of the, the schools also have like little shiny things with all their Nobel Prize winners. I think, can, can you imagine that? That's, that's the image, why we call it the Hall of, Hall of Faith. And so, in our Bibles, we get that too. And um, we, and we, are called, we call those people the giants of faith. And they are, they are named there because they have done really great things because of their faith. And like the school's tro trophy room, we are not supposed to, it's not only supposed to be there to impress us, it's supposed to be there to inspire us to greater heights of faith. And today, we'll be looking at Hebrews 11, 1 to 16. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn, to, turn over there because of that, what, what we read from 1 to 3 and then 6 to 16. So we, we missed some, yeah. So, but we are going through the whole from 1 to 16 today. So you could turn to the Bibles if you, you have them. And if you continue listen, listening to the end, I will also show you how our Luke 12 scripture reading is connected to our Hebrews 11. Mm, so, Hall of Faith, being dressed and ready, is, is there some sort of connection? Or should there be a connection? Well, there is. But you need to be paying attention to the end. All right, so let's go to Hebrews 11, 1 to 16. In Hebrews, 1, um, Hebrews 11, 1 to 16, there are three things we'll be looking at. Firstly, we're looking at the meaning of faith. And secondly, the method of faith. And thirdly, the result of faith. So we'll look at the meaning, the method, and the result of faith. Firstly, meaning of faith. If I'm going to ask you now to give me some words that you associate with the word faith, what are some words that would come to your mind? Trust. I knew somebody was going to say that. Um, hope. What, what, what else do you have? Perseverance. Perseverance. There's also another word that came out in another translation. Non-visible. Confidence. Yeah, there was a, also 
patience. Did you say patience? Yeah. It was also called um, conviction, assurance. So these are some words that come to us when we talk about when we think about about faith. So I move my notes forward. So the writer of Hebrews, he very conveniently gives us his definition of faith, right from verse 1. You can read it on your, on, on, on your Bibles. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Which, by the way, is a great verse to be memorizing if you guys are into Bible memory verses and that kind of thing. And if you have two highlighters of different colors, so what I would do is I would highlight assurance and conviction in one color, and then things hoped for, things not seen in another color. And the word assurance is also sometimes translated as um, confidence, as somebody said. So faith is the confidence and conviction of things. But if you stop there, you didn't read any further, then your idea of what faith is would be incomplete. For example, thinking of like, hmm, what can I think of? And I thought of a conversation we had, me and one of my youths. Um, <laughs> so I think you can relate to that. If you take a test <clears throat> in school or, well, at work sometimes, uh, and you come out of it, you, you were really confident and you were convicted that you did really well. But then when you got your results, they didn't quite match up with how well you thought you did, right? Walking out of the exam hall. So your personal conviction and assurance, it doesn't always match up to reality. Does it? <laughs> Which is why, you know, when, when others who aren't believers, they can sometimes come up to us and they can tell us, you know, your, our faith is just simply... You know, it's, uh, it's up here. It just, it's just what you think, it's just what's going on in your mind, or just what you believe in, and you believe that that's, that, that's, that's fine, but I don't believe that. So, what do we do? What do we do? And it actually doesn't really help that our scripture writer of Hebrews, it goes on to say that it's about things hoped for and not seen. So, if you hope for something, it means you don't have it, as yet at least. And again, not seen, is this not tangible thing about it? So I looked at the one-line definition, I actually wasn't very happy with it. And, but you know, usually if you're not happy with something in the Bible, it actually says more about yourself than what that, about the Bible. So, well, I knew I had to dig a little bit deeper. And then I looked at the words, and I found out that the Greek word there used, that is translated into assurance, it's, it is more than a feeling of confidence. This word is used also outside the Bible um, to mean standing under a title deed, having the legal title to something. So this got me all excited. As a, as a former lawyer, I get that legal language, or it gets me. <laughs> So your title deed is your strongest proof of your legal right to that piece of land. So if we rephrase the definition, we get this. Faith is your title deed to things hoped for. 
and conviction of things not seen. So our faith is no longer based on a mere feeling. It's based on something as solid and as tangible as your title deed to your house. Well, so we're getting there. But I'm saying that this, defi this definition is still incom incomplete. So how do we get that kind of faith, or how do we have that kind of faith that gives us this legal right to this hope? Faith, it's not quite an apple in our hands we can hold up and say, look, I have this in my hand. But I'm going to argue that faith, it is, it is not merely a noun, it's also conceptually, it's a verb. I know many, there may be some English teachers around here, but please don't kill me for oversimplifying it. But, well, a noun is basically, well, a thing, or a thing, person, whatever. But I'm saying a noun is a thing, right? Like the word apple, apple is a noun. And a verb is simply an action that is just taking place. So what I'm saying here is that faith is not only a thing, it's also the action that's taking place. And I thought to explain this concept, I'm going to use a very simple visual demonstration. And um, many of us have seen this before. It is used to dem demonstrate trust. It's called the trust fall. And for this, I'm going to call on my lovely assistant there, Ella, who will demonstrate the trust fall for us. I'm going to get off the podium. There are two lessons I was trying to demonstrate with that little act in front of you. Number one, if Ella says that she trusts me and she has faith in me for me to catch her, but then she just stands there, can she really say that she has faith in me? And number two, do you notice how in the very first fall, I stood quite far, far off, and she gave a little scream as she fell. And then I went very close to her, and she fell back with confidence. I went a little further back, and she fell again with confidence. And the third time, I went back to the same distance. Actually, I went even further than very, the very, from the very first time. And this time, when she fell, did she scream? Nope. And this time she fell, she fell with full trust, full faith, and full confidence that I will catch her. So what is the point I'm trying to make here? Firstly, the point is faith is not faith until we move. Faith isn't faith until we walk the talk. 
if we say we have faith that God will catch us, then we need to move in accordance with that faith. That's why I said that faith isn't merely a noun, it's also a verb. The totality of what we say we believe and the actions that we take because of what we believe, that, that equals faith. What we say and the actions that we take, faith. Because there are a lot of people who say they believe in God. And there are a lot of people who say, yeah, I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. But they don't really do anything in accordance with that belief or that faith. Or if they do something, it is not really in accordance with that belief. Ella could have said she believed that I will catch her. But before she fell back, then she makes sure she lines up a series of pillows behind her. Would, would, would you call that faith? And secondly, faith doesn't just happen in one big fall. Faith happens incrementally, like I, like I demonstrated. In the first reset demo, the first time Ella fell forward, back backwards, it was a little fall. And what, I, did I catch her? I did. And that increased her faith in me. The next time she was able to exercise more faith in that bigger fall. And finally, when she got to that really big fall, she just fell without fear, as opposed to the very first time when she screamed. Why was that? I think we all know very simply because she has established a history of, a, of trust and a history of a relationship she has with me. I want us to just, just take one moment now, picture in our minds our own heroes of faith that we have in our lives. People you look up to for their amazing faith the sort of faith that you wished you had. When you have the time, go ask them to tell you their stories of their lives. And I'm sure they're going to tell you many little, little moments, just faith-building moments, and not just one huge, big one of crossing the Red Sea, for example. So for those of us, you know, where you want, where you wish you had more faith, and you pray, oh Lord, please give me more faith. For God to do that, you not only have to talk the talk, we will all have to walk the walk, walk the talk too. So, my, I just realized my meaning of faith is kind of merged into my second point, the method of faith. But let's just go quickly to scripture to test and to see what, I've, what, if I, what I said is true. We're going to look at um, Hebrews 11, verse 4. To recap, I said the matter of faith was what? Action on, on our part in accordance with our belief in God and in what Jesus has done for us on the cross in incremental steps within the relationship with God that has been built up over time. Right? Action in accordance with belief in incremental steps within the relationship with God. 
And I'm going to pick up three heroes of our faith from our Hebrews 11, and let's test and see whether this is correct. First, we go to Abel in verse 4. In faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. What was, what was Abel? He was a, was he a hunter or was he one of those? Was he a, he plowed the land. He was, he, he looked after the land. So he plowed the land, he planted seeds, he cared for, he nurtured the plants and harvest, harvested fruits for the sacrifice which God commended him for. Was there action on Abel's part? You need a lot of action to be able to do something with the land. Was it incremental or at the very least in steps? Well, I don't know if you have been gardening before, but it certainly takes a lot of steps to get there, to get this, to produce fruit. Was his relationship with God built up over time? Again, if you're a gardener, you realize after you plant, you need to wait. You need the water, you need to do quite a lot of things. So I would say, yes. So my answer would be yes to all the, all the steps for Abel. We look at Noah. It's in verse 7. It says that by faith, Noah constructed, constructed an ark. Constructed an ark. So what's the action by Noah? <laughs> yep. Thanks, Martha, for not nodding. <laughs> Was it incremental? I would, I would say so. My guess is to build an ark, which was, they say, about 140 meters long, with your bare hands and tools, you'll be facing many technical challenges along the way. Well, not, to, not to mention the physical challenges of building right in the middle of a desert area. But bit by bit, Noah overcame all these. And was this relationship with God built over time? I don't know how long it takes to build it up. But, but anyway, we know that he was 600 years old when the, when, when the flood came. And we know that he was 500 years old when he, be, when he became a father to his three sons. So 500, 600, sometime in that 100 years between becoming a father to three boys and the flood, he built that ark. We don't really know how long it took but, so it was within that, that span of 100 years. So, was there a relationship with God built over time? I would say yes. Now let's test this with Abraham. Verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called and went, not knowing where he was going. Abraham was 75 when he was called to leave his country. And he was given the promise he will become the father to many nations. Can you imagine 75 and leaving here? And he was 100 when Isaac was finally born. And he was about between 110 to 115 years old when he was told to sacrifice Isaac um, on the altar. So what do you think? Was there action in faith? Well, at the very least, he needed to go up to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. Was it incremental? I think we can say very much so. 75 to 100 was a pretty long time to, to be waiting. Was the relationship with God built over time? I think we can say yes again to all, to, to all these. 
when you have time, our Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 mentions even more hero, heroines, heroes, and also events. There's also Joseph that's mentioned. There is Moses. There was the crossing of the Red Sea and the taking of Jericho. I only now brought up three examples. And perhaps in your free time or in your summer reading, you can test out this matter of faith against the rest of the heroes and the rest of the stories and see if, the same, if it's the same process that they all went through. And furthermore, it's a point to note that Hebrews 11 only maps out the high points of faith of our heroes and our stories. It doesn't also quite tell us how they got there. And so my encouragement to you is if you ever despair thinking, will I ever get enough faith to cross my raging Red Sea in front of me? And if you ever despair of, well, taking Jericho, well, my, my encouragement is don't. What you do is you start first by le learning to lean on God in those very small things so that when the day comes where you need to cross your own, own Red Sea or you need to take your own Jericho, you know you will have enough faith to get through that event. But as a last note of warning before I leave this point, the high points of faith for these heroes and these events, they wouldn't at the end of their lives. Not all of them, yeah, it was not necessarily at the end of their lives. For example, um, after taking Jericho, did the, did the Israelites live happily ever after? Did they, did they continue to drive out the nations in, in, before them? No. And also King David is mentioned, and Samuel the priest are also mentioned in the Hall of Faith. But we know that both of them didn't quite end their lives at the high point of their faith journeys. What does this tell us? This tells us that we, we are not to assume that our graphs of faith, it's on a, you know, an upward trend. We still need to continually practice our faith and we need to still to stay continually watchful. Aha, uh -huh. if you've been listening, watchful. Here's our connection with our Luke 12 story about the servants who have been staying awake, waiting for their master to come. Now, I'm going on to the result of faith. And this is only seen from the verses in, in Hebrews. First, the first result, in Hebrews 11.4, in referring to Abel, Scripture says, through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. What does that mean? Your faith in action gives you the ability to have an impact on the lives of others that continues even after your death. Isn't that a wonderful result? We all want our lives to mean something, to have meaning and to have impact. And this promise is here. The result is here. The life lived in faith will give our lives meaning and impact even after we die. That's the second result we see in Hebrews 11.5. By faith, 
Enoch was taken up so that he didn't see death. I think this one we can go quickly over. By faith, we will be granted eternal life. Third result, in Hebrews 11.7, it says, By faith, Noah, concerning events yet unseen, constructed an ark for saving his household. What do we learn here? Faith allows you to act in preparation now of future events yet to come. We can't see the future. God can. What is the best way to be secure and safe in our futures? It is to be walking with Him right now, with the God who knows and who can see the future, and the God who will prepare you for it, as we see in the as we see in Noah. All right, that was the third result. Fourth result, Hebrews eleven nine, for Abraham, by faith Abraham went to live in a foreign land, his inheritance. I think, I, I think we can guess what the result is. Faith may take you places you do not want to go. Or when you go, you may not be told where you will end up. But the encouragement is that your inheritance will be far beyond what you'll be giving up here and the now. Fifth result, Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, Sarah received power to, re to conceive even past the age. Very simply, faith results in miracles. Your faith will move mountains. It goes without saying that all these results of faith, they're not always cumulative, nor are they mutually exclusive. And Hebrews 13, 11, 13 also tells us that all these died in faith, but not having received the things promised. Mm. In other words, the things promised to you by God may not necessarily be fulfilled in your lifetime on this earth. So what do we do when things have been promised us by God, but it's taking such a long time to be fulfilled? What do we do when things that have been promised by God to people around us, it doesn't seem to be fulfilled even after their deaths? Waiting is also an action. Faith in action can sometimes be faith in inaction. In action, yeah. In passivity. And now here I'm going to draw the circle back to our Luke 12 scripture. It takes enormous faith to sit and to wait. All the night around you just gets darker and gets longer, and the master that you're waiting for doesn't seem to be coming back. The call in Luke 12 is for us to pre persevere in faith. The assurance in Luke 12 is that the master, he will be back. When? No one knows. But the promise in Luke 12 is that if we stay awake and watchful, i.e. we continue in faith, when the master comes, what does it say? He will come. And scripture even says that he will serve his servants. 
I don't know if you've been reading this Bible passage, but I've read it many times, and this line didn't strike me, but if you read it carefully, 1237, it says that, that the master will serve his servants. I'm sitting there reading it as if for the first time, my master will get dressed to, be, to serve me. It's, he's the Lord. And, and that to me was my mind-blowing moment for, for this time starting this, this passage. So it's an encouragement to you to continue to wait and to watch and to persevere in your faith. So now I've taken, taken us through the meaning of faith, the method of faith, the result of faith. There's actually a fourth and final point. It's the response of faith. But in my sermon notes, it's actually blank. Why? Because it's for you and for me to fill it in for ourselves how we're going to respond to this call. And Lynn is later going to give us some time in prayer for us to respond to God. And so all I can do now is to end this quote from the scripture that we just read. And perhaps it's for you to mull over it. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let us pray. Where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. Father, be our treasure. Be our treasure so that our hearts will also be with you as we walk through this life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.